Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I'm Michael Kingswood and I write science fiction and fantasy. I used to be in the Navy, spent 20 years doing submarine operations, among other cool things. Learned to fly planes, learned to scuba dive, had a bunch of kids, saw the world, and I started writing fiction. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing my stories with you in the hope that you'll have fun, and also that you'll like my stuff and come back for more and maybe help brother out with buying a book or two. So uh, sit back, relax, I'm going to tell you a story. Hey, it's Michael Kingswood here with Storytime, and I'm going to keep this brief. Still in Florida on the family trip, doing cool family stuff, business stuff, and don't have a lot of time to record. So let's go straight into the next two chapters, chapters 7 and 8 of Gloomer Vale, and talk to you next week. Hope you don't mind. Enjoy. Chapter 7 Opportunity Knocks Julian and Raedric awoke with the dawn the next morning. When they came downstairs, Julian was surprised to find the taproom all but deserted. A young man stood behind the bar and a single serving girl lounged on a bar stool near him. Beside them, one man sat alone in one of the booths, and another two sat at the same table the mage lady used the night before. It took a few minutes after they sat down for the server to notice Julian and Raedric's presence. She sauntered over hurriedly, her hips making a nice swaying motion as she moved, and spoke in an apologetic tone. Good morning. I'm Celine. I'm sorry to keep you gentlemen waiting. We don't get very many customers this early. No worries, Celine. Raedric said with a smile. We're just looking for some tea and breakfast. Celine returned Raedric's smile and nodded, then swayed away to the kitchens. It was hard for Julian to move his gaze away from her hips, but she soon passed out of sight as the kitchen door swung shut behind her. Ah, well. He looked back at his friend instead. So, Raedric, what's the deal with Lonnie? What do you mean? She was pretty into you last night. Raedric snorted and waved off Julian's remark. We were good friends for a long time and had a lot of catching up to do. Of course she was excited about it. So was I. Whatever you say. Celine returned then, carrying a tray that held a teapot, two cups, and a jar with two spoons. Smiling professionally at them, she set a cup in front of each of them and placed the teapot and jar in the center of the table. Then she said, Your breakfast will be out in a moment, and left them to return to the bar. Curious, Julian opened the jar while Raedric poured the tea. It was full of honey. Perfect. He took two dollops and set the jar back down where Raedric could use it, then stirred his cup. Getting back to the subject at hand, Julian asked, So you're saying you'd tell her no if she offered to... you know. He let the rest of the thought go unspoken, instead grinning at his friend as he raised one eyebrow meaningfully. Raedric flushed, but didn't say anything. The silence spoke volumes. I didn't think so. The room brightened noticeably as the front door swung open, admitting the morning sunlight far more effectively than the few windows in the wall did. Julian turned in his chair, his eyes drawn to the glow of the doorway as two men stepped inside. Both were tall men. They easily had a hand on Raedric, and he wasn't short. But he wasn't able to make out much more about them until the door swung shut and the glare from outside subsided. The man on the right was plump, with carefully trimmed hair that had gone gray at the temples. His clothing was plain, but the fabric was obviously of high quality, and he wore a golden pin of some sort over his left breast. The other man was more lean. He was bald and wore the clothing of a working man, except for the silver pin he wore over his breast and the baldric that hung across his body from shoulder to hip, which housed a short weapon of some sort, probably a sword breaker from its shape. The two men paused inside the front door and surveyed the room. Then the lean one nudged the other and nodded in Julian and Raedric's direction. They moved toward the table in a deliberate, business-like pace. 
Who are these fellows? Julian wondered aloud, earning a shrug of ignorance from his friend in reply. He didn't have to wait long to find out. The two men arrived at the table quickly. Up close, he could see that the plump man's pin was in the shape of a fish jumping out of the water. The silver pin the other wore was shaped like a pair of scales dangling from a clenched fist. Radric Bolletier and Julian Hinderbrook. It was the leaner of the two who spoke first. The two friends nodded in unison. I am Lucian Mallory, the constable. This is Will Brimley, the mayor of this town. Constable Mallory gestured to the two empty chairs at the table. May we join you? Julian and Radric exchanged glances. The constable wasn't a big surprise, but what did the mayor want with them? From all the hints the previous evening, Julian knew Radric was curious and troubled about what was going on in town. And, truth be told, Julian was as well. It wasn't often he got called a hero for stringing up a single robber. What could it hurt to hear what these two had to say? Julian shrugged, and Radric replied, Please do. The two men settled into the chairs and collected themselves quickly. Mayor Brimley wasted no time in getting to the point. You gents did a great thing for this town last night when you brought that thug in for justice. Oh? Radric affected a surprise tone, though Julian was sure he was no more surprised than he was himself. Enough people had made a fuss over that fellow already, after all. Mayor Brimley nodded emphatically. Absolutely. You two are the first who've been able to strike back at Fossil's gang in any meaningful way. I can't tell you how much higher people's spirits are this morning, since the word of your deed spread round. Constable Mallory looked sidelong at the mayor as he spoke, his expression a bit less enthusiastic. When the mayor finished talking, he cleared his throat and cut in, looking back at Julian and Radric. <coughs> Fendig has passed your story on to me, but there are a number of details that need to be filled in, if you don't mind answering a few questions. Why would we mind? Julian could think of several reasons without straining, but they had decided on how to answer certain questions a long time ago, so there probably wouldn't be much harm in it. All the same, he wished Radric didn't sound so eager. Constable Mallory inclined his head, in a gesture Julian was sure was meant to portray gratitude, but it ended up appearing condescendingly superior. Irritation rose within Julian, but he forced it down. This wasn't a time to go off half-cocked. You say the attack occurred just above the falls, on the river road. How many attackers were there? Six. The constable looked down his nose at them, doubt plain on his face. That's what you told Fendig. He didn't believe it, and neither do I. Four, maybe, but six? Fossil's men are too good for that. Julian snorted, not waiting for Radric to reply. Good. They were careless. Sloppy. Only one of them was worth a damn. The man you brought in? Julian shook his head. No. He was the first to fall, and he's damn lucky all I did was kick him. The constable and mayor exchanged long looks. The mayor's eyes gleamed with an eager light, but Mallory held up a calming hand, silencing him before he could speak. What brings you boys into town? The constable asked as he looked back to Julian and Radric. Not many folks come through this way anymore. Hell, almost no one does unless they're part of a merchant's caravan, and most of them take the southern routes now, too. It was time to come home from the army, and I didn't want to take the extra time to circle around to the south. Julian's heard me talk about Malterabor enough that he decided to come along since he was leaving at the same time. Radric told the tale quickly, but in an earnest tone that Julian found himself halfway believing it, even though he knew better. The constable's eyes narrowed. You boys been out on the front? They both nodded. I heard they were cancelling people's release from enlistment until the end of the hostilities. How is it you got out? We heard that too, a few days after we left, Julian replied. We've been thanking our lucky stars that we didn't leave a week later than we did. 
Constable Mallory pursed his lips in thought for a moment. Then he nodded and leaned back in his chair. He turned to look at Mayor Brimley and gave a little nod. Beaming, Mayor Brimley moved his chair closer to the table. I'd like to hire you boys. I beg your pardon? Julian replied. The town needs good men on our side if we're going to get rid of Fossil's gang. You two seem like ideal candidates for the job. What do you say? Chapter 8 Employment Julian was speechless. How was he supposed to react to that? Radric, as usual, was quick on his feet. Why don't you start with telling us who this Farzel person is? Mayor Brimley looked disappointed as he sat back in his chair, but the constable's eyes were understanding. In point of fact, Julian could swear the doubt he had seen in the man's eyes faded when Radric asked the question. What, did he think they were a couple of rank amateurs, who would take a job without knowing what it entailed? Apparently he had. Or at least, he had feared they were. Julian wasn't sure which was worse. A month and a half ago, Mallory said. A merchant caravan pulled into town with one carriage burned and two men dead. They told of being attacked by robbers in Holbot's Pass. A few days later, a delivery man working for one of the craftsmen in town discovered one of the outlying farmsteads had been burned down. Since then, the attacks have come more frequently, and against larger targets. Last week, they hit a farm not far from here, down by the East Flow. A calling card at the scene claimed Glimmervale in Fossil's name, and said that unless we paid a regular tribute, things would get worse. Then, four days ago, a merchant caravan was completely destroyed on its way through Holbart's Pass. There were only two survivors, a lady who managed to escape the battle and a caravan guard who we found barely clinging to life. Mallory's eyebrow rose. And yesterday, you were attacked. This is the first time we've seen activity from them on that side of the Vale, and it proves they are becoming more comfortable with their position. It's also the first time anyone has managed to defeat them to date. Mayor Brimley spoke again. Lydleton lives and dies by the traffic coming through the passes. Our population has dwindled in recent years as merchant traffic has shifted south. If these bandits are allowed to continue unchecked, before long no one will make the transit at all, and we will lose everything we have. We must put a stop to these attacks, and we need your help to do so. Why don't you just pay the tribute? Julian asked. Mayor Brimley looked shocked. Give in to these thugs? It's better than being burned out. He shook his head vigorously. No! Even if we had the funds they demanded, it's a question of honor! But the fact is, we don't have the money, Constable Mallory interjected. Even a large city would be hard-pressed to come up with the sum they demanded on a monthly basis, and we are far from being a large city. Have you tried negotiating with them? Mallory snorted. With whom? The man you brought in is the first of Fossil's band anyone has seen and lived to tell of it. Then you don't really know what you're dealing with, Radric said. For all you know, it could have only been those six fellows looking in the past this whole time. Six men with bows can do a lot of damage in the right place. The constable again shook his head. No, the survivors of the last merchant caravan described an attacking force of at least thirty to forty men. So you see why we must have your help? Mayor Brimley's voice trembled slightly. No. Julian replied, I don't see that. You don't really know what you're up against yet. If you want my advice, I'd say you should give that man we brought in a counteroffer, one you can afford to pay, and have him deliver it to Farzel. Unless he's a total fool, he'll take it, and you can avoid a major confrontation. He looked from the constable to the mayor and back. 
Or do you think you can win a pitched battle against them? The constable shook his head. It's just me and Fendig here in town. In the summer months, I sometimes hire some of the tougher lads from the nearby farms or off the fishing boats to help keep order while the caravans are in town. That's all we've ever needed until now. Then you're in no position to not pay. I- We'll do it, Radric said, to Julian's chagrin, but not to his complete surprise. I'm not sure- He began, but Radric cut him off. We'll do it. Radric gave him a firm, no-nonsense look as he repeated the words. Julian met Radric's stare for a moment. He knew that expression. Radric always wore it on the way into battle. Will you give us a minute, gentlemen? Julian asked, not looking at the constable and the mayor. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw them nod and leave the table. He gave them a minute to walk out of earshot, then he spoke again. What the hell are you doing? These people need our help, Julian. Julian rolled his eyes. No, they need help from a company of soldiers, not... He looked around quickly. No one was close enough to hear. All the same, he leaned closer and spoke in a whisper. Not from two guys on the run. We need to be putting as many miles behind us as we can. We can't afford to get caught up in this sort of thing. Radric's eyes flashed with anger. Julian raised a placating hand and continued quickly. Look, I get it. You've got nice memories of this place from when you were a kid. But it's not our problem. And even if it was, the two of us can't make a difference here. Not against 40 men. We can, and you know it. We just took out six of them without much trouble. Julian snorted. <laughs> I'm out of action for a week or two thanks to that little meeting in case you forgot, he said, pointing at his thigh. Yet another reason we can't and shouldn't do this. Rubbish, Radric replied. You heal quickly, and it's not like we're going to charge off to fight them all at once right this minute. It'll take time to get intel and prepare before we can expect any action. Julian opened his mouth to reply, but Radric spoke over him. I'm going to help. You can leave if you want, I suppose, but do you really think you'll make it out of the Vale? What are you talking about? They're ambushing people traveling through the passes, remember? I doubt they'll just let you go. Radric's words hit like a ton of bricks. Julian had to admit that hit upon a point he had not considered. He took it as a given that the two of them could just move along. But if Radric was right, they were stuck here. Son of a bitch. Hadn't thought of that, had you? Radric asked. He didn't have to sound so satisfied about it. Julian shook his head. The way I see it, if we can't leave, we're now part of this community. So yes, this is our problem, and I'm going to help solve it. This is the sort of thing I thought I'd be doing in the army, but never did. Didn't you? Julian looked away from his friend. As his gaze panned around the taproom, he noted the tension and the hope in the mayor's face. The suppressed fear in the bartender's. The determination tinged with hopelessness in the constables. Yes, this was exactly the sort of thing the army claimed to do, and was supposed to do, defending those who could not defend themselves. Damn it all. Okay, I'm in. Hope we don't live to regret this. Radric chuckled. <laughs> don't worry. If it goes wrong, we won't live to do anything at all. That was not very comforting. Thanks for listening to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. You can find me online at michaelkingswood.com. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. My web store is ssnstorytelling.com where you can find all my books in your favorite formats. Purchasing through the web store nets me the most profit, but if you prefer, I'm also on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, and all the other usual e-tailers. If you want to learn about new releases, sign up for my mailing list through the contact form at my website 
I guarantee not to spam you, only send an email when I have some news to share. Storytime with Michael Kingswood is copyright of Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved.